When one of those who reclined at table with Jesus heard these things, he said to him, Blessed is everyone who will eat bread in the kingdom of God. But Jesus said to him, A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. For I tell you, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. In the name of Jesus... He invited many, but yet the ones who were invited don't get to taste the banquet. You got it? That's the parable summed up from the beginning of our gospel to the end. A man once gave a great banquet and invited many, and then it ends this way, none of those men who were invited shall taste my banquet. Should I just say amen and walk out of the pulpit? Are you picking up what Jesus is laying down here? A little context would be helpful. Jesus has routinely been going to eat regular old meals. I don't know what they had. Stouffer's, Chef Boyardee, Grandma's green bean casserole with the little crunchy onions on top. No idea. But he would go and eat meals with sinners. Oh, that doesn't surprise you? Oh, you know who sinners are, right? I bet you could probably pick out a few either here today or you're probably even thinking about them. You know those people that you say, oh, thank you, Lord, that I'm not like... Can you believe that she did that? What was he thinking? Oh, I'm such a better person. Oh, I said it out loud. Jesus was eating with known sinners. Hanging out with them. Be careful the friends you keep, my parents used to tell me. You don't want to be like some of those. And then when I did and got in trouble... If everybody's going to jump off the cliff, do you want to jump off? Yeah, you know how this goes, right? Who are these sinners? A man once gave a great banquet and invited many. Jesus tells us about this banquet that has now been prepared. And the master goes and invites A whole lot of people. These are specifically the Jews. God's chosen people. They have had Moses, Isaiah, Elijah, Elisha, go on and on down the line. Lots of them who told and foretold the coming of the Messiah. Who corrected people when they sinned. Who offered hope and comfort to a fallen and abused world. The Jews were God's chosen people, and the New Testament clearly tells us Jesus came first for the Jews. But they don't want anything to do with him. Which is exactly the context that is going on here in Luke 14. Because the Pharisees can't believe that he is actually associating with known sinners. People who are struggling in sin, people who are addicted to sin, Jesus is hanging out with them. He shouldn't have anything to do with them. Leave them alone. But they're missing the point. 
They're missing the point that Scripture makes, which is that all have sinned and fallen short of the Lord. Many are called, few are chosen. So what about you? Are you one of the chosen ones? It's a question that for some people is a, it's a sticky wicket. It's a really big deal. Am I saved? Am I really saved? Because, you know, today I just don't feel like it. And I haven't felt like it for some time. Church just doesn't fill in the blank. Reading the Bible and praying doesn't fill in the blank. That peace that passes understanding, I sure wish somebody would tell me where it's at because it's not in my household, it's not in my family, it's not in my work, it's not in my body. So how do I know? How do I know? Well, I've got good news for you. Because this is exactly why Jesus goes and eats with sinners. And it's exactly why he comes here today in this service at this table for you. The Jews failed to recognize Jesus for who He is. The Son of God in the flesh made manifest for the whole world now, epiphanied that all would see. They don't want to look at Him. They don't want to look to who He is, nor to what He will do. And so they begin to make excuses. They start with the same excuses that we often make when it comes time to doing that which God asks us to do. He gives us good works. He gives us things to do in this life. Luther's table of duties in the catechism can help you if you're looking for good works. Am I a mother? Am I a father? Am I an employer? Am I an employee? So on and so forth. But, hey, I bought a field. I must go see my field. And so maybe for you and for me, it's the stuff that we fill our life with, a life that so often becomes material, and, and that's all we begin to think about. I just bought a fill-in-the-blank, and it's all I'm thinking about. It's all I'm focused on. I'm going I'm to work some extra hours for it, or I'm going to sacrifice this, and same thing. Another said, I bought five yoke of oxen, and, and i got to go examine them. Please have me excused. Yes, Work is important. But where is God? What role does He play in your life, in receiving His gifts, in your prayers to Him, in your meditation on Scripture? The third one says, hey, I married a wife. She doesn't want anything to do with church, therefore I cannot come. You could change that to husband if you want. But I know who wears the pants in this family, and it's not me. So I'm not going to stand up and say what needs to be done. I'm just going to go with the flow, because I don't want to rock the boat. And that's exactly what we do when we see sin right in front of us. We see it with our family, our friends, our spouses, our kids, and we just, just push it under the bed. Do you have one of those rooms, closets, or drawers in your house? Where when people are coming over, you quickly... I'm not going to tell you where ours is. Oh, you know what I mean, don't you? 
And we do the same thing in our life. We don't trust that Jesus has good words to deal with, that we believe that we have better words than Jesus, that that we know what we should do, and, and so we just, well, please have me excused, Jesus. I'm not ready to deal with this right now. Rejection often comes in small ways. I have a hard time believing that that people that either are unbelievers or struggling with things start out to say, I'm just going to stop believing in God, or I'm just just going to start doing this. It's just one small step at a time, and eventually you end up all the way at the bottom of the hill. So many of these Jews, they reject the banquet, they reject the faith, and even still today, so many want nothing to do with God's Word. And how does Jesus deal with this? The Master becomes angry and says to His servant, Go out quickly to the streets and lanes of the city and bring in the poor and crippled and the blind and the lame. Notice where He directs Him first, there within the city. Those that are hurting that can't do for themselves what needs to be done or can't come, go take care of them. It's a Joshua moment. As for me and my house, we will serve the Lord, which means for us as a church, before we start talking global mission and local mission, we make sure we're taking care of business here. It's the same for you in your home as a, as a husband or as a wife, as a mother or a father. You take care of stuff at home first. You make sure that's good before you start looking out and beyond. You deal with the now before you get to the not yet. And so the servant does just that, brings in the poor and the crippled, the blind and the lame. You could say that these are the Jews who hadn't heard the gospel yet. And when they did, by the power of the Holy Spirit, they were brought into the church. I would also say to you, this could be you and me, the poor, the crippled and the lame, those that that were not there then, but came later. But the master then hears from the servant one more time, Sir, what you commanded has been done, and still there's, still there's room. This is a pretty big banquet hall, isn't it? It's huge. There's room for many, Scripture says. Behold, Jesus says, I go to prepare a place for you. Many rooms my Father has in His mansion. Jesus ascends into heaven as we now are in the season of green, the Trinity season. And you know what He's busy doing right now, even for you? He's preparing room for you. And the invitation's been sent. And you received it. You received it when you first heard that precious, life-giving word. You probably don't even remember when you first heard it. You received it when you were first baptized, like little Otto was last Sunday. Sorry I missed that. I was out doing my idolatry on the golf course. We did have church in the morning, so it's okay. When Otto was robed with the righteousness of Christ, when you were robed with the righteousness of Christ, when you were given your wedding, your banquet garment. So Jesus says, go out to the highways and hedges. 
go outside the city, go outside of this house here, and compel people to come in. That word compel in Greek is anagkosen, which literally means now to, to do everything you can to exhort, to admonish, to grab them by the arm, and to bring them into church. That's what we need to do with our neighbors and sometimes maybe even our relatives. Bring them here to church. Open the Bible with them. Pray with them. Let the Word of God come and do its work that they may hear and receive these gifts. These as well, those of the highways and the hedges are, you might say, the non-Jews, the Gentiles, which could also be us, depending on how you interpret this parable. But what you need to know that's so interesting about what Jesus is teaching us here is the first ones that are invited, the invitation is expected that they will attend. You, you never refuse such an invitation to a banquet. But what you may not know is that there is a Mideastern tradition back at Jesus' time where those now that, that are unexpected guests must refuse the invitation. Meaning that if you didn't originally receive the invitation, you were supposed to be prim and proper by refusing it. But do you see how the master turns everything on its head? Do you see how the devil gets in your head as well and makes you think that, well, I've got to have my saving private Ryan moment where I question whether I've done enough for God and if things aren't going well right now, then I just got to work a little harder. And when you start asking yourself, did I do enough? Have I done enough? Then you just need to do more. And the master comes and says, the banquet's prepared. I've done all the work and not only that, I have now come and grabbed you, compelled you. And you as a sinner know you can't accept. You can't grab hold of this on your own. You can't earn salvation on your own. I'm going to come and do it for you. The only thing you can do, you and me as sinners, And so as He comes to you today, as He invites you to hear and meditate upon His Word, as He comforts you with the certain assurance of your salvation, you see, this is the house that wisdom has built for you. The blood of the Lamb shed upon the altar. The Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. Jesus, who has sacrificed Himself that you may live. And who feeds you. That you may have the strength you need to deal with whatever this life and world offers. To do the work that God has given you as a husband, a wife, a mom, a dad, a worker, an employee, an employee. You get it. To look at the things of this world, to be willing to learn from God's Word. Give instruction to a wise man and he will still be wiser. Teach a righteous man and he will increase in learning. Oh, how I would rather be a wise man and a righteous man than a wicked man and a scoffer.
but because of Christ's work, it is so. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Knowledge of the Holy One is insight, and He has come and revealed all this to you. We learn two important things today. One, God will receive all into His grace, eternal grace, all who repent and believe in Christ. Number two, He will punish those who willfully turn away. And those who willfully turn away and refuse God's grace, they will become entangled in the filth of this world. And Scripture even says that the Lord will prepare them for Satan. And if they persist, their hearts, like Pharaoh, will be hardened, and they will be blinded and eternally condemned. But for you, for you, you who were once far off, Paul says, have been brought near by the blood of Christ. You, a saint, and you, a sinner, have been reconciled to God in one body through the cross. And so now, thanks be to God, you are no longer strangers and aliens. You are no longer outside of God's grace and mercy, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You and your life are built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself, the cornerstone, The whole structure, Paul says, joined together. And all of it is a holy temple to the Lord. This table fellowship of Jesus coming to eat with sinners is exactly what he does today. He comes to eat with you and me. And he gives you what you need to support your body and life. And he asks you to continue to take stock of of all that you are and all that you do. And to know that even in that repentance, through faith and trust in Him, you will eat eternally. You will live. For in Him is the peace that passes all understanding. God grant us this faith in the name of Jesus. Amen.